Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Jess, hello. Hi. We're recording at night again. We are. It's like a normal day. Yeah. It's all good. Uh, so it's Friday night. Um, there's a bunch of huge stories I want to get to and a couple smaller ones. Um, before we begin, let me give a huge shout out to a few of our Patreon yeah. subscribers. Dan T, Rachel B, Shafin R, and Trent S. Thank you so much for your support. Thanks, guys. Do you think people are really impressed by how cool our social lives are that it's nine o'clock on a Saturday on Friday night and we're like... I'm recording my podcast. I don't know what else you expect me to be doing right now. (laughs) What? I'm going to go out to a party, please. You went to a party one time at my apartment. It was four years ago. That's probably the last time I left my house. (laughs) So uh, let me start with something a little bit not crazy to talk about. So this one, uh, this week, Kim Davis came out with a book. And... I think we mentioned this last week that they had announced that Kim Davis had written this memoir. Yeah. And Liberty Council, her lawyers for... Oh, she's I the, read that press She's release. the Kentucky County clerk who said after marriage was legalized in the Obergefell decision, she was still just not going to sign your marriage license in She Kentucky. and her bangs were standing strong for Jesus. <laughs> and the thing is, like, even after the court said, no, you have to, because in Kentucky, the county clerk has to sign the paperwork right. and she's like by signing the paperwork which just to be clear all that does is it says yep you are the person you say you are mm-hmm. i checked your id you are legit human no no um, like <laughs> i read them and it said if you know the undersigned says that the devil is real and that <laughs> Straight marriage is abolished. Right. I, that's what I read. <laughs> yes. So she's like, by signing my name anywhere on the sheet of paper, I'm sanctifying the marriage. And everyone's like, no, you're not. You're just signing to say we're here. Mm-hmm. You're like a notary. Just you saw us do it. Um, anyway, she said she wouldn't do it. She went to jail at one point for contempt of court for six days. And then when she came out, she was a hero to the martyr mm-hmm. Christian persecution people. Um, and since then, and by the way, she's still in that office, but the big change is that Kentucky no longer makes county clerks sign the marriage licenses. That's how gay people can now get married in Rowan County Mm -hmm. because she doesn't have to sign your license. So she feels like she's won. (sighs) And to be fair, that kind of is what she asked for. Uh, she's like, I don't want any part of this marriage thing. I'm not going to give straight people. We're not going to do marriage licenses. Yeah. So whatever. A bar- marriage is abolished. Yeah. Um, wait, and sh- she is an elected official. She's or an appointed? elected official, okay. which I'll get to in just a second. Oh, good. Did I accidentally foreshadow? <laughs> kind of. So anyway, uh, last week, Liberty Council, who represented her in this trial, mm-hmm. they said she had written a book, and so naturally, I ordered it. It came in the mail. God bless your uh, heart. And so a couple nights ago, I'm like, I'm getting through this because like it's it's got to be like a coloring book. I can get through it in a couple <laughs> minutes. Um, turns out it was ghostwritten by like two other people. So there oh, were really? words in it. What? But I'm going to, I want to run through a couple of the things that stood out as I read through this book. Wait, can you give me like out of five stars, how many stars would you give it? 
In terms of what? In it wasn't fun. Like it wasn't fun to of, read. Well, no. It was more or less. I know. It was an advertisement for Liberty Council. Okay. And imagine the Freedom from Religion Foundation, but Christian and no one knows what they're doing. It's an advertisement well, for them saying, look at how we supported this woman when no one else was doing it. So brave. So, I mean, it's not an interesting book. It's like you're reading an infomercial uh-huh. for a long time. Like, so I didn't like was reading it. it technically correct? Were all the words in the right order? Eh, we'll see. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll share with you some of the excerpts. Oh, God. But, okay, the foreword is written by Mike Huckabee, the former governor slash guy who's on Fox slash, I don't know what he, his daughter is the press secretary mm-hmm. for the president. Here's how he opens the book, more or less. Like, we now face the criminalization of Christianity in this country. Under attack as never before. It's like, no. No. Kim Davis was not punished for being a Christian. She was punished for not not following the... Yeah, not doing her job, not following the law. So right off the bat, it doesn't work. Here's a running theme throughout the book. Mm -hmm. She keeps talking about it, and Mike Huckabee mentions it, that she was such uh, an inspiration for religious people that the Pope met with her. Pope Francis met with her. She's not Catholic. She's not Catholic. She was actually raised Catholic, but she, she was lapsed, and then now she's an evangelical. But she did meet the Pope. And this is the weird thing, because I remember when that happened, mm-hmm. and I also remember that after it happened, the Pope is like, who the fuck was that? <laughs> he didn't know who she was. Really? And he was actually, according to the Vatican story, um, he not only didn't know what, who she was, he was actually angry that someone on his staff set up this meeting really? and put him in the center of the culture war issue because for all the things we like and dislike about this pope, uh-huh. he tries really hard not to get embroiled in these like gay marriage things. He'll right. say nice things about gay people without changing Catholic doctrine on mm-hmm. homosexuality. Yeah. Um, So, like, he didn't want to get involved in the Kim Davis scandal. And the person who set up that meeting was later fired. So this is not something, like, the Vatican endorsed. (laughs) And yet, they both talked about, like... Yeah, but, like... Huckabee said the Pope endorsed her stand. Really? No, he didn't. He actively did not. He actively did not. Kim Davis had an entire chapter to meeting the Pope and basically dismissed any critics who said he wasn't supporting her, quote, right of conscientious objection. Like, no, the I'm Pope sorry, doesn't just know really you. quick, she had a whole chapter, and I assume it was like a meet and greet, like a handshake yeah. thing. <laughs> By the way, the Pope had to, imagine you're a famous person and you're being Done. whisked around to, you have to meet the following people. Uh-huh. Well, if you're like the president and your people say, look, there's three groups of people you need to meet, what are they going to do? Here's the quick rundown of mm-hmm. what you need to know about these people. Shake their hands, say these things. Um, Post for a picture, maybe. Those people have to do that all the time. Yeah. So the Pope, as actually, you and I, famous people, know. Yeah, right. <laughs> if I left the house, I'm sure I would shake someone's hand. <laughs> so the Pope was told to shake her hand. Uh, you maybe heard a little bit about what she did, but not really. And of course, it would be couched in like she stood up for her religious freedom. Right, something she, like they that. They wouldn't say she denied people marriage. The funny thing is, in the next room over, in that same meet and greet, uh-huh. he met a former student of his when he was cardinal from, I think, Argentina. Yeah. That student is gay, <gasps> and his partner was there with him. Um, I don't know what the deal is with the if they're Catholic or if they're married or whatnot. Yeah. But, like, the Pope was, it's my student. I want to meet with my student oh. while I'm in this area. 
That's the next person he visited. So he could wait. He wanted to meet him so he could set him on fire for. Yeah, because he wanted the gay to. He wanted to say hi to his former student. Yeah. It's a okay. nice thing. It's All like, right, cool, oh, look, Pope. We get it. You're cool. So much for you want to meet Kim Davis because she stood up against gay marriage. Like, no, he's cool with gay people. Look yeah. at the next. Okay, whatever. All right, here's here's where yeah, it gets. Your takeaways. Here's some more stuff. Um, I mean, look, the whole book, she paints herself as a martyr for this job. I'm not going to run through all of that. Um, The thing that everyone on Twitter kept wanting to know and that I wanted to know is how does she address the fact that she's this spokesperson for evangelicals for defending like the sanctity of marriage when she's on marriage number four? Yes. I was really curious for how she was going to figure, how was she going to do that? And I'm going to read you that section. All right. So she addresses it? Uh-huh. She oh. had to. I mean, everyone wants to know Did that. She? I think so. I think that's the one critics, criticism she's gotten this whole mm-hmm. time. Because if you look at all the memes about her, it's all like defending sanctity of marriage on marriage four. It's the yeah. same thing to say about Donald or Trump. like gay people can't get married. I had all of them. Right. Or something. <laughs> I couldn't give you a marriage license because yes. I took them all. Okay, thank right. you. That was a better structure. Um, <laughs> here's what she wrote, and then I'm going to give you the summary. I was all of 18 when I first walked down the aisle in 1984 to marry my high school sweetheart. We had two children, but separated in ni- November 1993 and divorced shortly afterwards. In the wake of our split, I met another man and soon became pregnant, giving birth to our twins. Wait. Well, hold, 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 hold your <laughs> thought for a second. <laughs> Things did not work out with the twins' father, and no. I was a single mother of four in June 1996 when I met Joe Davis. Joe and I divorced in 2006 after 10 years of marriage. That divorce, my second, was a bitter split with a lot of hurtful things said and done on both sides. Just over a year later, I married the father of my twins. (gasps) But I was back in divorce court less than a year later to end that marriage. Nine months after that, Joe and I reconciled and remarried. Really? All right. So let me summarize this for you as briefly as I can. Do you want me to draw a graph? You may have to. She married husband one, Uh had twins with husband three, Uh then divorced husband one, officially, married husband two, divorced husband two, married husband three, divorced husband three, remarried husband two. That's where we're at today. So she's still married to husband two. Yeah. But, you know, sanctity of marriage. I am kind of obsessed with, like, her glossing over of a few, of, like, like, just the passiveness of, I became pregnant. <laughs> like, <laughs> it girl, just no. happens. Girl, we know how it happened, yeah. though. <laughs> and I was especially wondering, the, um, she, had, she said, I'm quoting again, we had two children, but separated in November 93 and divorced shortly afterwards. In the wake of our split, not before she was divorced, right. but when they were separated, is when she had twins with this other guy. Again, I would not judge normally. I, I don't care. Just about to say, like, I want to be clear. Like, I don't give a shit. I, what, yes, like, exactly. I don't give a shit that she's been married a gazillion times. This yeah. means nothing to me. That doesn't hurt me in any mm-hmm. way. But she's the one saying gay people can't get married because they would ruin marriage. Right. Like, come on. Yeah. So anyway, there was that. There, there was another thing that stood out for me, too, which is uh, it's, it has to do with another story I want to talk about in a bit. But she had a part where she said God spoke to her. Oh, by the way. 
How did she defend herself against all these marriages? She said, I didn't really find God until the remarriage of husband two had finished, of course, the latest one. Uh, and she went back to church with him and then found God. And now she's a true Christian. This is the same defense they use with Donald Trump that, look, all the scandal stuff happened before he was in politics, before he was really a Christian. Now he's whoa. one of them. It's like, yeah, sure. The the Stormy Daniels scandal have to happen after, before, before, before. he was a real Christian. I, but after he was yeah. married to his current wife. The white supremacy happened after he was a Christian. The white that supremacy apparently has doesn't been matter. a through line in his <laughs> life. So anyway, but Kim Davis says that at one point in her life, God was trying to get through to her, but she oh, wasn't having it. Kim. And she says, I had a friend with me. They were in the car and the radio was off when I heard someone speak my name. Kimberly in a deep resonant voice. Startled, I looked around and asked my friend, did you hear that? Hear what? She said with a skeptical laugh. There are just two people who call me Kimberly, my dad and one other person. Neither were anywhere near at that moment. Who's that one other person? I'm really curious. I don't yeah. Know. Okay. I thought, like, <laughs> my dad and one other person. God. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lord, I said, as strange as it sounds, I knew he had just called my name. Because, she, okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. She Apparently, God reached out to her to say, While she's driving with the radio off like a creep. (laughs) And then she (laughs) said, I kind of dismissed it and didn't have God in my life until back to remarriage number two, whatever. (sighs) So there's that. Was there anything else in this? Oh, by the way, she goes on and on about how there was hypocrisy at work here because at one point, Kentucky banned gay marriage. I think Mm. they had a vote on it and 75% of Kentuckians said ban gay marriage. What? Kentucky? Not the Kentucky I know. I know. Um, and what happened is the it's on the attorney general's position then to say, well, oh, I'm sorry, uh, the Supreme Court, I think, or maybe an appeals court said that was unconstitutional. Mm. This is before the Obergefell ruling. Okay. They said, oh, you voted to ban it. That's unconstitutional. Now it's on the attorney general of the state to say, well, we voted for this Mm -hmm. and the law in our state says it's banned. So we're going to appeal that decision. Well, the attorney general, who was a Democrat at the time, said, I'm not fighting this one. Like, I'm not doing it because discrimination is wrong. Just to be clear, it's his job to kind of assess what's going to be good for the state of Kentucky. And he said... Personally, I don't want to do it, and it's bad for our state because we're going to lose this battle. Yeah. And so I don't want to waste their money on it. And it ultimately, what the governor, who was also a Democrat at the time, said is, fine, you don't have to do it, but I'm going to hire outside counsel to appeal the ruling because that's what the people of Kentucky want. It costs like 200 some thousand dollars to the taxpayers of Kentucky. Okay, that happened way back when. Kim Davis says they spent $200,000 plus of taxpayer money because that guy didn't want to do his job. And Uh, then everyone got mad at me because they said, like, oh, she doesn't want to do her job. What's with the double standard, she keeps pointing out. What she never says in the book, and I was looking for this specifically, uh her case, fighting her case in court, Uh cost the taxpayers of Kentucky $260,000. She never once mentioned that in the book. Um, And by the way, it wasn't hypocrisy because her job was to follow orders when you're a county clerk. That is your job. The attorney general's job is not necessarily to follow orders. It's to do what's right, legally speaking, for the state. So it's not an apples and oranges. Yeah, nobody's asking her opinion. We're asking the attorney general's opinion. Right. 
Um, she says she has gay friends and she wraps her arms around them and hugs them and loves them as well as she does everyone else. I bet that's non-consensual. <laughs> I was going to say, tell me one of your, she, she didn't say names in the book, but she did say a gay friend of mine, like came to the Rowan County courthouse and said things like, I support what you're doing. I understand it. It's like, she didn't tell us the friend's name. Maybe to protect her friend, I'm sure. Or because his friend is made out of paper. <laughs> it's the same person who said the name Kimberly in the car. <laughs> and I want to talk to Kim Davis's gay friends. Let talk, Show sure. me who they are. Sure. I want to know that you exist. Um, you had mentioned earlier she's an elected official. Mm-hmm. Well, th- she tells this in the book repeatedly that there was one couple in particular, a gay couple, that they wanted their marriage license. She said no. They came back to get it again, like, another day. And this time they brought a camera crew, reporters, because mm-hmm. they want to document this thing because they're smart. Sure. And so when she says no, they're like, fine, we're marching to the county lawyer's office. And the county lawyer's like, Kim, you have to do it. She's like, no. And again, this is all on camera. They did this, like, four or five times. And she said no every time. And they are the reason this became such a big story, because you got video. They're like yeah. the Parkland kids years before. Yes. They know how to use the media attention. Well, one of those guys, his name is David Ermold. He's running against her this year. Wow. Yeah. He wants to take her seat because he wants to win. Uh, he wants to win that seat. He wants to get it out of her hands. That's awesome. So it is awesome. Uh, she did not mention him once by name you in the book. Say. I know. Um, you, one thing I will say that was surprising that I had I never remember reading anywhere. The reason she's the county clerk. She never actually wanted that position, but her mother held it for 37 years before that. Her mother was going to retire, and it's not really a job that gets a lot of attention. No one's, like, clamoring to be the county clerk, but it is elected. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Kim, you should run for it because the name recognition, because your mom was doing it before, and... Um, and, and you know what you're doing because you worked with her for so long. Yeah, you well, know what yeah. you wouldn't need on the job training as much because really she'd been in the office all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that. And she barely won the dem. She was a Democrat at the time. What ba- I know, she barely won the primary like by two dozen votes. Wow. And then she barely won the election against the Republican by like fifty three percent. Holy cow! Moral of the story: People vote. Yeah, the votes matter. Jesus. Wow. So, interesting book. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to do with it now. Burn it. I don't know. Somebody wanted me to read it for the my spinoff podcast, and <laughs> don't make me. And I'm letting my guests pick, so, like, let's just keep this between us yeah, and don't right. tell any of my friends. <laughs> Let me jump to another story, because I think that falls directly in line with what this idea of that I would not care, except you're making it an issue. Yep. Um, the story here is that uh, an Italian newspaper basically said um, a man named Francesco Mangia Capra, oh. awesome name, um, he went basically uh, went to either a newspaper, I think. Yeah, he went to a newspaper, basically said, I have a dossier, and in it I have the names of 34 active priests and six seminary students <laughs> Um, that I, as a gay male escort, have been <gasps> seeing. That's what this guy says to the newspaper. Yes. He has names of the people. Yes, he does. Again, 34 active priests and six people who want to be priests in the Catholic Church. 1,200-page dossier filled with, quote, Fuck. filled with names, photos, text messages, <gasps> like, 
No one's saying this didn't happen. Oh my God, what would you give to read that? And also speak well, Italian, probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think maybe it's online. I did not see it oh. in, when I was looking up this article. Like, I didn't find the dossier, like a PDF online, Damn but it. I don't think I could read it either because it would be in Italian. Well. But the point is, here's the two sides of this. One is, if they were meeting with this guy privately... And this guy was an escort. Should he have said, by the way, these are the people I'm meeting with? Because confidentiality is kind of the reason you would meet with someone like that. Uh His argument is, I would be confidential, except these guys are priests and they're working to, they think gay sex is wrong. And and yet that's what they're doing. And it's the hypocrisy that bothers me. So I'm outing them. Wow. I think and, there's a weird ethical dilemma here. Uh, yeah, you know? I'm really like I'm really turning this over my head. I can't decide what I think. <laughs> let me let me offer my thoughts on this Please. because uh, I, I remember thinking about the same dilemma about a decade ago. Because if you remember, there was a guy pastor in the U.S. named Ted Haggard, mega church mm-hmm. pastor. He was for those of you who don't remember him because maybe you're too young or you weren't following this stuff at the time. You had a refreshing lobotomy. (laughs) He was (laughs) the guy on the religious right. He was the guy who was anti-gay marriage when it was a controversial issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was the head of the National Association of Evangelicals, their big organizational uh, body of sorts. And what happened is he had been seeing a gay male escort who at one point was watching TV and realized, hey, that guy <laughs> who... I've seen that guy's dick. Uh-huh. He sees that guy on TV. He's like, yeah, I know what I've done with that guy. And he's speaking out against what? And so he eventually comes forward with his story and exposes that... And Ted Hager doesn't deny it. Mm-hmm. Like, it happened. He's not the one who got caught, like, tapping his foot. In no, that was air- Larry Craig. Yes, that okay. was a senator, I think. Yeah. yeah, or a house person. I can't remember. He was a politician. No, Ted Hager, but, like, imagine the highest evangelical you could think of right, right now. Right, 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 That guy was Donald brought Trump. down by the same <laughs> way. Yeah, right? <laughs> At this point, that would be, like, item four on the priority list of right. whatever happened today. But Ted Hager came down. And the thing that uh, a lot of people... I remember this because... Uh, I was blogging at the time. The guy, the escort, his name is Mike Jones. He wrote a book after this all happened. And I remember interviewing him for the book. He was in Chicago. I met up with him to talk to him uh, before we had podcasting stuff. So it was a a written interview. Uh Um, What I remember him saying is that he was kind of cast aside by a lot of people who are otherwise in agreement with him because he broke that cardinal rule of his line of work, which is you don't talk about this stuff. And because he did drugs and because he had a lot of other issues. Like, it's not just... They were thrilled that he brought down Haggard. Uh But, like, there were other issues, too. He felt like he was cast aside. He was a pariah in that community. But but it's hard for me to imagine that anyone would argue what he did was wrong. Because he would have kept it a secret. And by the way, one thing he told me, and I think he wrote about this in the book, is he has met with politicians. He has met with athletes. He said those were among his clients, and he knew that. Mm -hmm. But he wouldn't say anything because they weren't causing anybody problems. They just had a secret life. And I'm like, I remember asking him, like, but what if you found out, like, that politician was fighting for anti-gay legislation? And he just looked at me, he's like, oh, you bet. (laughs) <laughs> like, he would totally come yeah. forward with it. And Ted Haggard obviously fits that bill. So going back to this Italian dude now, 
This Italian guy comes forward. And my thinking is, I get it. And I don't really think there's a big ethical issue here. He's upset that they are saying one thing in public and not just saying it, like telling people that homosexuality, uh, homosexual acts Uh are, quote, intrinsically disordered. That is the actual line of the Catholic Church. They're believing that. They are spreading that to young kids, telling them there's something wrong with you if you are gay and you act on it. And yet you are doing that in your private life. That's what he had a problem with. So to me, I I think what he did was the right thing. Yeah, I think so too. I'm not I'm not like super comfortable. Like I'm not like like is the smug hesita- about it. Is the hesitation that this guy took something that was private and yeah. secretive and he exposed these priests and maybe yeah. they deserve their secrecy too. Yes, I guess, but like but yeah, no, a hundred percent. I hear that, especially when it comes to a politician or, or somebody who's powerful in the church, because the thing is like, they know in theory, a politician, instead of not even like talking about, about railing against gay marriage or homosexuality in general, but like sex work Mm -hmm. is still a criminal act in much of this country to the detriment of most sex workers. And these people are in a position where they they clearly understand. Who are you talking about? I'm sorry, like politicians who these hypothetical politicians who are sleeping with this guy say, yeah. So they are aware of like the value of sex work and they think it's something worth paying for. Mm -hmm. And they're in a position where they could, whether or not it would be great for their career, they could introduce bills that say like, hey, maybe we should start you treating sex work like we do any other right. industry. Let's regulate it. Let's tax it. Let's, let's make, make sure, sure these people safe. are safe. Right. At the Catholic instead, Church, at least, you could say we got to, at least, even if you're not going to change the Catholic Church, you could at least be vocal about right. your doubts, right. your concerns about and the so rules. I think I still like... Am, Remember, just last week, we talked about a Catholic teacher, a Catholic school coach, I think, last week or a week before, uh who got fired because she got married to her partner. (sighs) Ugh, yeah. And again, why why do these Catholic schools fire teachers who are not just in gay relationships, but in, they get married? Yeah. Um, Because they think there's something wrong with you if you are gay and you act on it. So this stuff has, it it affects a lot of people. Yeah, it has repercussions, for sure. And- yeah, I, I I think that's kind of where I land that like these people are it's not just that they're like huge hypocrites, but they are hypocrites who could be changing things for the better and are opting not to for whatever garbage reason they have. Right. So that happened. Uh I will give credit to the person on Reddit who said the priest must have enjoyed the whistleblower special. Mm. Nah. You're not laughing as much as I did. Just me. Um, Come on. <laughs> um, oh, speaking of ineffectual laws and shit, uh-huh. um, Mississippi did something cool as usual. Um, so I was reading up about this. So Mississippi recently passed a law uh, that banned abortion after 15 weeks. Um, so... So I want to talk about this a little bit because obviously I have a problem with don't drink your wine, smuggle you asshole. <laughs> as soon as I said I want to talk about that, Evan just like grabbed his wine. <laughs> um, 
So, first of all, I think that these laws restricting restricting abortions after X week are unscientific on their face and not done for anybody. What happens at 15 weeks? Um, is that is that a heartbeat thing? No, heartbeat is like a. Oh, I'm not even going to say. God, I've, I've had a baby and I don't know this. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, why do I have to know this? I've I never been know. pregnant. I've worked my entire adult life not to be pregnant. I mean, I assumed it was doing its thing. I don't know. Um, So there's a few reasons why this is sort of a garbage um, thing. So um, in Mississippi, 85% of abortions take place before 12 weeks. Okay. So So it doesn't even really affect... Correct. So I don't have... Or I didn't find statistics. They're not going to stop abortions then with the 15-week... I mean, a lot of them. They're not going to stop. Um, the other thing is Mississippi has one abortion, uh, clinic. Um, and so it's, I think, <laughs> shit, did I write I it down? Think I think there was like 1200 abortions performed in Mississippi. So we're not huh. talking like huge numbers. But probably like, the ones who need it yes. past 12 weeks. I mean, they really need help. Well, and it probably takes them 12 weeks to hike down to yeah. Jackson, Mississippi, where this I, abortion clinic is. I don't remember I'm this, but... I'm assuming they don't have cars in Mississippi for some reason, <laughs> for, the, for the purpose of this bit. <laughs> I, was Mississippi the state where there was the one guy, um, he's this amazing black doctor who is... Yeah. Um, Willie Parker, I think, was his name or something like that, so, where he performs these abortions. He is a devout Christian and the reason he does it I remember him. is because these women need help and he feels like he's doing the work he's called to do by his faith. I don't know if that's I don't I, know if it was Mississippi. Mississippi or somewhere else. But um, I know the owner of this one abortion clinic is a woman. So Oh, okay. Um so eighty five percent um and twenty week abortions are already banned. And so they're they banned it at fifteen weeks. So we know the statistics for up to 12 weeks are 85%. I don't mm-hmm. have statistics between 12 and 15 weeks. But this particular abortion clinic, the only one in Mississippi, so ostensibly the only one that's being regulated, regulated, only offers abortions up to 18 weeks. So, like, cool, good use of time, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but really what is happening is it's sort of a... Um, a what is about to happen and what they're hoping they being lawmakers are hoping to happen um, is that the owner of the clinic will sue mm-hmm. and then the lawmakers are going to hope that gets sent up to higher and right. higher courts to start to challenge anything they can because they're so fucking obsessed with abortion. It's right. gross. And if you think about it, I mean, strategically, if you're looking at it from their perspective, their hope is, okay, by the time someone sues over this, mm-hmm. and let's say someone strikes it down in a lower <laughs> court because it violates Roe v. Wade, it violates a woman's right, to, uh, whatever. A woman's uh, right to be a human. Be, be a human and be respected. Yeah. Um, they have to get to an appeals court. Mm-hmm. They can ask the entire appeals court to look at it. it they can ask the Supreme Court. It could take <laughs> Well, it could take at least a year, maybe yeah. two years. And by that time, we're talking about maybe another Donald Trump appointment to the Supreme Court, which oh, could flip it in. You. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Um, right now, if it happened like today, they probably couldn't get away with it. Mm-hmm. But they're, you're right. They're banking on the fact that if it takes a year to get to the Supreme Court or mm-hmm. roughly that amount of time, who knows what will happen. And that also means you could bet other states are going to try similar shit because, yeah. what, half the states in the country are Republican legislatures mm-hmm. So they could do this sort of thing. Um, 
Also, I just realized throughout my notes, I used MI as the abbreviation for Mississippi. That's not that. That's <laughs> Michigan, my friend. Um, and I did want to point out, so this is House Bill 1510. So there are two exceptions to this bill, to the 15-week ban. Um, if the fetus has a health problem that would prevent it from surviving outside the womb at full, tor- full term, which, to be fair, is more generous than some options that we have out there. There are definitely cases where women have had to carry either non-viable or actually dead fetuses, just carry them around because they couldn't get an abortion because that makes sense. Um, and it's super not traumatic or, or again, I'm going to give them this one. If the pregnant woman's life or a quote, major bodily function is threatened by the pregnancy. Okay. Here are things that are not exempt. Results of rape or incept. 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 Incest. Inception. Yeah. So if you're raped in Mississippi Uh and you didn't tell anybody at first Mm because you don't know what's going on. Because, you know, you just underwent a hugely traumatizing event and maybe you're really dealing with some things. You may be forced to do it. Good luck, Mississippi. (laughs) Yeah, guys. Um, Let me bring up a story that I don't want to beat around the bush and not talk about this. Okay. Um, Let's talk about the Lawrence Krauss stuff. Oh, yeah. Good. Okay. Because there have been a ton of updates since just last week when Mm -hmm. we talked about it. Let me run through a couple of things that have happened. So the the overall story here is BuzzFeed published an article at the end of February Mm -hmm. that pointed out a lot of incidents, numerous incidents of sexual misconduct One in particular said uh, he basically um, fooled around with a woman who later said she didn't want that. She wasn't expecting that. Mm -hmm. She left before it got to sex. Mm -hmm. Um, That was, I think, the worst allegation. But other ones said he had been uh, touching someone's leg. He'd grabbed someone's boob at one point. He and his wife propositioned somebody. Like, kind of ran the gamut of... Yeah, of inappropriate stuff. Nothing... Um, illegal again it's i don't care if it was consensual and you did it privately right but clearly there's a lot of people who are on the receiving end of these things who are not saying they want this right and that was the issue and buzzfeed said a couple of schools had essentially quietly banned him from their premises mm-hmm. premises but lawrence Krauss said i've and been back to those schools before so. the buzzfeed thing <clears throat> like this had been yes. happening leading up to this um right uh he had So there were a lot of these allegations, but when you put it together and here's like the resume of every, all these incidents over Mm -hmm. and over, it, you see patterns, you see the patterns forming. Right. And of course, Krauss hadn't said anything publicly about this. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, we talked about this already, they dismissed it because it was published on Buzzfeed. And apparently if it's not in like the New York times or something, it's bad journalism. I, it's a dumb argument. Um, I would recommend, uh, our friend Thomas Smith, who does the uh, serious inquiries only podcast. Sorry if I got the name (laughs) wrong. S I O. I that's what the logo is. uh Um, I'll post a link to it. He did a really, really good job of just dissecting all of the arguments people were making against the article and why they were dismissive of the BuzzFeed article. And he kind of just took down all of those critics. I thought he did a really good job of doing that. Um, So listen to that. But anyway, uh, Krauss hadn't said anything other than saying, I deny these allegations. Yes. Um, Some stuff that happened a few days ago. Arizona State University, where he is a tenured professor, they put him on paid leave, Mm. and they said, we're investigating this. They had never had any formal complaints about him, according to them. uh, So what led up to the... 
inquiry? Um, the BuzzFeed investigation. Oh, and they oh, okay. said, gotcha. well, we hadn't heard about this stuff before. Not, I guess, in an official capacity or something. Uh-huh. We're going to do our own investigation with the people that you talk to and whatever. And so he's on paid leave and he can't come on campus while we're going through that. So that's one thing. Um, <clears throat> what ASU said is we have no reports, not a single report of misconduct from any person associated with ASU made to us. Mm-hmm. None. But of course, the whole point is well, not everyone reports this stuff formally because they know it's it's like, say, why didn't you tell your boss about your boss's sexual harassment? Because HR wasn't going to do anything about yeah, it. Yeah, I so wouldn't they, even say not everyone reports these things. Almost nobody reports right. these things. So that in itself doesn't... But okay, ASC said but they're sure. looking into this. Uh, the Center for Inquiry, which recently merged with the Richard Dawkins Foundation oh, not too it? long ago. Yeah. I didn't know that. They said, we are suspending our association with him pending further information. Okay. Krauss had been on their board of directors. Richard Dawkins, uh, the foundation, sent the exact same message out because the same group now. Yeah. But Richard Dawkins retweeted it. And my question is, okay, well, what does that mean about Dawkins? Because Dawkins and Krauss were going to do a tour in Australia and New Zealand this coming May. Oh. So, like... What's Dawkins doing? Are you going to go? Are you not going to go? What's the deal, Dawkins? Do you think Dawkins will kick him off and let us come? (laughs) Not a chance. (laughs) How do the talks work? I do do have an answer to this, but he he just retweeted that statement and then said nothing. So that was weird. Okay. Um, Krauss resigned from thing... Something that a lot of people know him for, which is that infamous doomsday clock where they move it closer to midnight Uh, uh because of nuclear disaster. And it's like two minutes to midnight right now. That's the group that does it is called the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. And he's the chair of their board. That's why when they do that, it's two minutes to midnight. He's in every picture because he's the guy making that announcement. Mm -hmm. He resigned from that group Hmm. Um, just to he said, I don't want to distract you anymore. Uh, a couple different organizations said he was going to speak to our organizations. We have canceled those things. Okay. So all this stuff is happening. So there's been fallout. There has been fallout. Um, and by the way, the one group that hadn't said anything was the one sponsoring that Krauss Dawkins talks in Australia. Really? Yeah. Like not the main group sponsoring it. They said it was, as far as we knew, still on. Okay. This week, a couple of days ago, Krauss finally responded. Yeah. Finally. I actually, I read this one. Yeah. I don't know that it'd be worthwhile to go through every single thing he uh, no, said, I... <clears throat> but basically he called the entire, <clears throat> excuse me, he called the entire Buzzfeed article libelous. Mm-hmm. He said they had a cavalier disregard for evidence. Um, yeah. And he kind of framed it as like a scientific paper of, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like that was sort of how he framed it of let's look at the following three <laughs> things. And what does this mean? What does that mean? Right. What's our conclusion that you can draw from this? <laughs> yeah. And he went through or every, like, here are my statements. I'm going to defend each of them, which yeah. is, Fine. Uh, one thing I did not know is his attorney sent BuzzFeed a cease and desist yeah. about the article. And the day after BuzzFeed published the article, they didn't care. Interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, he did not say, just to cut to the chase, he did not say he's going to sue. He did not say he's going to huh. file. He called it libelous, but he didn't say I'm going to. Which definitely has some legal implications. <laughs> right. It's a weighted word. But he didn't say he's going to like, sue I would BuzzFeed say it was over garbage. it. Um, but basically, he goes through all these... S- Things he says, look, in some cases, um, there were other witnesses, they will tell you that uh-huh. uh, things were, and I think he said BuzzFeed purposely dismissed witnesses that did not corroborate their right. narrative, right? And uh, there was so there was that he said, in some instances, maybe he joked inappropriately, he mm-hmm. apologizes for that, but it's more of the uh, I apologize if, if you were I, offended, yeah. not because I said these things, all right. 
Um, the most serious allegation was the one in that hotel room with mm-hmm. with uh, Melody, the woman who said that she wasn't asking for that. He did. And he admitted that it happened. He did admit that it happened. But thought it was enthusiastic and consensual, which is a thing we see a lot. Mm-hmm. We see we saw that with Louis C.K. of like, oh, I thought we were all on the like. Like, we thought we were telling the same story, but we were watching two different movies. Yeah, or something like that. Um, And again, this is the he said, she said thing, which if it was just that one story, I guess maybe it'd be one thing. But again, (sighs) this is what the BuzzFeed article um, did, which is that it wasn't one incident. Um, And I've I've heard plenty of people, and they do this every time. Mm -hmm. It's let's criticize the person who made the allegation. Let's criticize uh, the woman in this case. But again, this isn't one. It's not just one woman's story. This right. is a similar story we hear from a lot of places. Yes, they didn't escalate to that level, mm-hmm. but it's not like she's the only person who had this bad experience with him. Right. That's what was. So what we're looking at, and my kind of takeaway was, we're not necessarily looking at a sexual predator in mm-hmm. any kind of way, but what we are looking at is a serial creeper like a guy (laughs) who consistently makes people uncomfortable and i guess and it's not to say i don't know i'm here's the weird thing i don't think i i mean i'm a guy so who cares what i think about this sort of thing i have talked to women over the course of the past week who are like i've been around him plenty of times Uh i i get the jokes i've been around him when he's flirty Uh none of it bothers me and I'm like, yeah, I, I think if I were in your shoes, that's probably my reaction too. Yeah. But the whole point is that's not everybody's reaction to this. Right. And if you're like an organization that's thinking about bringing him to your conference, you have to think about, well, if this person makes a lot of people uncomfortable, what should I do as an organizer? This mm-hmm. isn't a legal thing. You're not going to get any more evidence. or I don't know what smoking gun people are looking for. Yeah. But the thing is we have a bunch of women who are saying he makes them uncomfortable for a variety of different reasons. It's not just one group of people. Mm -hmm. So the question is, what should organizations and people who may be working with him Mm -hmm. do? And that's what Krauss is trying to blunt in a way, like saying, don't pin this all on me. They're missing. They didn't tell you everything they should have told Mm -hmm. you. Um, and who knows, maybe there are more articles to come. Maybe there's more serious allegations. Maybe there's a, like, mea culpa coming. Who knows? Yeah. We don't know. But based on what is out there, I kind of get the organizational take of this guy makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Right. Why take that chance? We'll ask somebody else to come. That's... Yeah, and I think... And I think that... Just because, like, limiting his career in some respect isn't necessarily, like, to kill his career. And, like, if you're the kind of person who shouldn't, is not, I don't know, isn't comfortable or I don't know I, I don't I God I can't decide what I think about this I my thought is and like, I think just by the take way away I, from think in public. I think that's an okay reaction to have that yeah. you don't have to be like death to him versus yeah, no I he g- did nothing wrong I no do, it's okay to be I, I, in that spectrum I will somewhere. say this I don't think writing him off as a as a scientist certainly as a professor probably as a even per person in the public eye to some extent, I don't think that's necessarily the right thing to do. I don't think anything he's done has warranted like blackballing from the community, but I do think 
it's to me, it's fine if there's consequences to his actions, if he is the kind of person who, and, and I talked about this a lot last week, like being a woman at these conferences isn't always the best. Like it, it, it tends to be very male heavy and there is, it's very easy to like be made more uncomfortable. Um, and it's important to bring women and more diversity into our movement. And so if that means a Lawrence Krauss maybe doesn't get invited to next year's American atheist or whatever, I don't know. So be it. If what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen? They'll invite someone else who maybe you haven't heard of who turns out to be amazing. Yeah. Like, there are other or science communicators out there. Or they invite another dude who's there. also a creeper. We got to get rid of that guy, too. <laughs> like, there's no limit of creepers right. in our movement. Don't worry, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I've seen on social media a lot is people who are... Okay, I've seen way too many arguments between people saying, like everyone's taken this way too far in terms of blackballing him and mm-hmm. people who are like, he didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And if you say one thing or the other, it just starts this crazy, you're clearly on the side of it's, rapists. It's like, not what? a black and white issue. No, it's not. And uh, it's hard because we don't have all the information. This mm-hmm. isn't a Harvey Weinstein story where someone yes. like was assaulted. And was and Harvey Weinstein's systemically right. worked his way through Hollywood as opposed to like Lawrence Cross maybe maybe doesn't read signals very well maybe he's just an awkward dude and like does kind of creepy shit yeah. regardless you know you're if you are if as a result of you people are made uncomfortable and you know you're making advances that make people uncomfortable and so this I guess I would say this this would definitely be a so re- recently, what's happened with Mel Gibson was just in a new movie, mm-hmm. and I just had this moment of like, oh, I'm sorry, did we all forget Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson is the fucking worst, and I, I've heard that about like Louis C.K. Like in ten years, he's going to give some apology, and we're all going to forget everything happened, mm-hmm. and that always makes me feel icky. This is definitely a thing where like, if in five years he's like, you know what, yeah, like I did some inappropriate things, I I've recon I've thought back. Uh, and I thought about it through somebody else's point of view, and I recognize what I did and why it made people uncomfortable, and I'm sorry, and I'm going to do my best to, you know, not do that anymore. I don't, yeah, bring him back in. But, like, I think he needs to admit, if if nothing else, he needs to, like, be clear about he was the reason a lot of people were made uncomfortable, and he needs to... Oh, not to that. Yeah. By the way, Thomas Smith's podcast that I wanted to urge you to listen to is Serious Inquiries Only. Sorry, oh, Thomas. You, you did get it right. I did get it right. Oh, good. Um, one thing I think I was looking for in that uh, message that he put out was something that says, like, look, this stuff did happen, but I didn't think it was a big deal. And I really apologize because I'm only now learning that, wow, I made all these people uncomfortable. That And yes. I clearly misread the signals or whatever. I didn't see any of that. I saw a little bit of like, oh, I made, yeah, if I made these jokes, fine. But like they misinterpreted it. Yeah. It's their fault for understanding my genius wrong. Right. For not getting my sense of humor or for not reading my signals or whatever. Yeah. I think. It was never a. I think. I crossed the line ever. Yeah. I think he could have had a moment. And like, yes, he could say like. I don't think BuzzFeed has all of its facts correctly. I think it they did, you know, maybe leave some things out that didn't, you know, adhere to their narrative. But to see all of this, I recognize 
any way you slice it, I was in, I was involved in incidents that I made other people uncomfortable. And for that, I'm sorry. And I'm going to try to change yeah. instead of that would have been something to work off of. Right. And we didn't get that. one thing he did say in his, at the very end of his uh, thing is I urge you to think critically about the content of the BuzzFeed article, the context in which it was written, the manner in which it was written, the evidence that was not presented and the agenda that appeared to drive those who wrote it. That one, that last part is the part that bugs me. And this is every time I've heard someone say, well, it was BuzzFeed. That one more than anything else, I think just makes me think whatever you have to say next is not really worth taking seriously. Because I don't think they understand how BuzzFeed works. No. Just to be clear, they do have editors. They do have stellar reporters. That's a very old guard look at If you think BuzzFeed is listicles and memes, you are talking about one segment of a website that has since grown into something bigger. Like, I don't know anyone who works there personally. I'm not saying this because, like, I'm trying to defend them. It's that I've seen, I read them because I read their good work that they often do. Um, if we just to give you an example, uh, R. Kelly, the singer, mm-hmm. like runs this weird sex cult thing, mm-hmm. and like little girls are drawn into it and mm-hmm. stuff. That was published on BuzzFeed. Obviously, the Donald yeah, Trump dossier was published. They may be controversial, but like no one's saying, "Oh, they're journalism; they don't know what they're doing." No, right. they hire people who know what they're doing. Right. So again, if you want to say, "Here's why the article is wrong," fine. Mm-hmm. But like saying, oh, this person knew one of the victims, therefore the whole article is out to get him. Yeah. I don't know what you accomplish by saying, like, what award do you win for taking down Lawrence Krauss? That's exactly what I'm I'm thinking. And because what's his last thing about, like, think of the agenda that they're promoting? Yeah, what agenda that appeared to drive those who wrote it? What is their agenda? I would like to know that. I mean, I think to me, that's kind of a dog whistle to the, like, me too movement is just about like attacking men and taking down men to me that's what yeah, it taking that's down powerful how, men yeah that's kind of how it reads which is i think utter bullshit like it, it i would say yeah. it's the opposite it is us finally holding human beings accountable for their actions not like if you wanted to go after a science communicator for this stuff there are other people you can go after if you want to go after celebrities yeah. in power because Lawrence Krauss is not I mean not he's not like, the well known to everybody right. name he's known to us and like people like us like if they wanted to make a huge splash in like the atheism skepticism community they'd go for a Richard Dawkins they'd go for Neil deGrasse Tyson mm-hmm. a Bill Nye you know, right. any of the other men who run our fucking movement. <laughs> right. And again, it I this idea that there's an agenda from the reporters who Yeah, I'm not crazy about that's that. That's not how reporters work. So yeah, that's I And by the way, even if they had an agenda, even at BuzzFeed, it goes through people who are gonna make sure you're you know, the, the I's are dotted, the yeah. T's are crossed. They're not just gonna let you publish whatever. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Um Let's talk about a different thing. You mentioned this guy in uh, the the Ohio guy or whatever, yes. wants, or in Mississippi wants West to get rid of abortion. Goodman. Let's talk about oh, uh, Oklahoma because Oklahoma, where the wind that's comes, that's not where I was going with it. In Oklahoma, do you know what that's from, though? Sadly, yes. Okay, thank you. You know what? I know musicals better than I know movies. <laughs> okay, don't say that. Sadly, oh my god, I just had an idea. Hammond, can we have a watch party for Jesus Christ Superstar on oh um, Easter? Okay, I know all the words. <laughs> I love it so much, and John Legend is going to be in it. Sarah Bareilles. Can we? 
It's on Easter. We can live tweet I'm, it. I'm cross-stitching that day. How fucking dare you? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so in Oklahoma... Wait, really quick. If yes. anybody wants to do like a fucking live tweet party with me, <laughs> because I'm going to watch it and I'm going to drink wine and I'm going to cry and I'm going to sing really loud and my husband's going <laughs> to gently ignore <laughs> me as usual. Go ahead. Done. So in Oklahoma, <laughs> they have a Republican governor. She's term limited out in 2018. They're okay. going to have a new governor. Republicans want that. They want to win the primary because if you win the primary, that governor seat is yours probably. One of the Republicans is running Oklahoma for a right-leaning state. I'm just, not familiar just with just a bit. Just that panhandle, like yeah. inside the pot, <laughs> it's just red liquid, um, and the whole handle is red too. So one of the guys running for governor is named Dan Fisher, and his platform when he spoke at a rally this week is, "I'm just gonna ban abortion." <gasps> oh, just outright. No exemptions. Cool, no, dude. I don't care about rape or incest. No, no, no. We're just banning abortion. And I, if a court tells me I'm not allowed to do that, I'm going to Kim Davis this thing and just ignore Jesus. the courts. Because why, why not? Nuance is for liberals and queers. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> um, after the bill is signed, he said, I'm going to instruct law enforcement officials to immediately close every abortion facility in Oklahoma, hey, of which there's got to be like two. Hey, I'm sure. Yeah. Is that how governorships work? Yes, it's a dictatorship. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> and if they find somebody attempting to perform an abortion that next day, they'll be arrested for attempted or committed murder. Oh, cool. Um, he's That's gonna... definitely how law works, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, just two things about this. Yeah. One is, here's the good news. That guy's in fourth in current polling by a long shot. He has like 4% What's his of... Name? Dan Fisher. He has 4% of the Republican vote compared to like 30% for the front runner, 25% for second place. I'm looking so, this motherfucker out. <clears throat> Second thing is... If you shut down abortion facilities, that's not going to stop abortions. Hammond, Hammond. How many times do we have to say this? Hammond. You're stopping safer for the women no. abortions. Everybody knows Ugh. that banning abortions works. Yeah. That's why nobody ever smokes pot. <laughs> and nobody's and nobody drank booze in the 1920s. Right. Everybody knows those things work. Right. And so he's basically forcing these unsafe back alley abortions by doing this, if he were to do this. Um, and by the way, you know who's in the crowd for this rally? It Tell included me. one guy who once signed a paper saying the murder of abortion providers like George Tiller was justifiable. Cool, dude. And another guy who once advocated the death penalty for people engaged in gay sex. You said his name was Mike Fisher? Uh, Dan Fisher. God, okay, so, I really have a problem with white dude names. They are. <laughs> Up all the time. Dan That's Fisher. the either the most or least racist thing I've ever heard. Uh, um, somewhere in the so, middle. So hey, congrats, oh. Oklahoma. That's one of the people. Oh my you get god! To... Look at this picture. Oh my god! He's a revolutionary war reenactor. Of course he is. I'm surprised he's <clears throat> not a Confederate. He is upsetting. <laughs> he's this picture. I, I just googled Dan Fisher, Oklahoma. And the third image <clears throat> is him wearing like civil. Like I thought it was a Hamilton. 
Bolton costume at first because it's really sharp looking and he's holding a musket over his head. It's everything you want in a governor. But it looks like he's like on a stage. Maybe he isn't Hamilton. Oh my God. Maybe he's a good rapper. You don't know that. Look at I know. He loves holding guns over his head. Oh my God. There's a bunch of pictures of him yeah. holding a gun over his head. He's tiny glasses. He loves dressing up in costumes. Dan Fisher presents bringing back the black robe raiment. I bet that's racist. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go this ahead. Is a, it's a this scandal is my new favorite dude. Oh, sure. he has a tricorn hat. Oh, my God. This I'm going to move on to the next for one. for it. <laughs> I did not see The Shape of Water. I did. Uh, did you? Yeah. So you know it's all about humans and the fishmen. Yeah, I w- <laughs> even okay, it's a metaphor s- for something. You know what? You haven't asked me. I'm going to tell you anyway. I have some thoughts on the Academy Awards this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, I I I did a very good, not to brag, yeah. did a very good job of seeing a lot of the Academy Award winning uh, uh, nominated movies because my husband's a movie geek and just like every other year he's like, I'm going to see them all, and we never do. But like, it's a fun effort. Yes. Um, Shape of what? So was I was it good. I get that maybe you didn't want it to win Best Picture, but was it good? So I will say this. I left the theater and I was like, I enjoyed that. It was unique. It was very, like, very odd purposefully. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a very unique story. And then on our drive home... You know, you know when you do the thing when you see a movie or read a book or something, and the more you talk about it, the more you, like, cement your opinion accidentally? <laughs> I kept, like, bringing up things like, oh, they they never tied this up, or, oh, they did this at the beginning. I thought that was going to come back. It didn't. Uh-huh. It was just, it was okay. It was beautiful. It was well acted. It was weird as fuck, mm-hmm. which was definitely its goal. Um, it was it was a good movie in a lot of ways. I do not think it was the best movie of the year. Was it promoting bestiality? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) For sure. That was the main theme. (laughs) Because Pastor Kevin Swanson, uh, who is a Republican, like Republicans go through this guy to win the primary for president, um, who also says like wildfires in California are the result of pedophiliacs and homosexuals being turned into heroes. That's science, Um, my friend. I don't know what to tell you, buddy. He hated this movie because he said it's destroying America. Yes. Um, It's a violation of the worst possible sexual sin. Yep. Uh, It's another milestone in the moral degradation of Hollywood and the nation itself. Um, Here's the thing. I obviously agree with zero things this guy says, but the woman, like, fucked a fish man. I don't know what to tell you. Like... Yeah, yeah. I saw people on Twitter calling it Grinding Nemo. That's pretty funny. That is good. Um, I remember thinking when I saw him make these comments, I'm like, oh, man, no one showed this guy Beauty and the Beast. That's pretty And then I realized, wait a minute, he totally said the same thing about Beauty and the Beast. Did he? Yes. I was going to say, like... He trashed it for its interspecies breeding. That's pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, here's the difference between Beauty and the Beast and this. A, he turned... Beast turns into, like, a human man by the end of it. So I assume any smushing happens is when he's, like, corporeal. (laughs) They're very explicit that she fucks a fish man. Like, there are no uncertain terms. There's, like, hand gestures. It made me feel uncomfortable. Um, (laughs) So I saw... But you would think a guy who is dedicated to the Bible knows what's fiction. Yeah. But I get... I mean, 
No wonder he doesn't know what's fiction and what's not. Yeah, I saw Shape of Water. Didn't see Darkest Hour because I've seen that movie a million times. I get it, World War II. <laughs> you happened. John Kirk, Phantom Thread, no thank you. Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri was fucking excellent. Really? Get Out. You saw, you saw I get, did out, see get Out and you thought it was only okay. It was fine. Um, Jordan Peele won the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. Play. Yes. Why can't I talk tonight? And Drink more wine. I, okay. Please do not imply I'm drunk. That's rude and detrimental to my brand. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That was a weird thing to say. Anyway, I cried when Jordan Peele. Did you see the pictures of Keegan-Michael Key being yeah. really happy? Get yourself him? a friend like that. Oh, my God. Uh, the post was excellent. Call me by your name. I meant to see and I didn't. Ladybird was fucking... So, did you see Ladybird? Yes. Did you? I know. I'm sorry, I'm my surprised voice got too. higher than I expected. I'm surprised too. <laughs> it was cute. It was fine. It I, was. I got. I got through it. Okay, it was but, fine. But you don't like. It was a lot of Catholic jokes. It was kind of funny. A lot of Catholic. Jo- I mean, for me, the thing about Ladybird was, it's the first time or the first time that I can think of like seeing myself reflected that well on screen. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Because she's about my age, so she's in high school, the same year I was. Almost as dramatic as I was, <laughs> but like her relationship with her mom was like, oh, it broke my heart. It was very, mm-hmm. very, very good. I liked it a whole lot. <laughs> and Greta Gerwig really deserved that Oscar, but that's. I'm going to move to one more story here okay. that is. I have three ridiculous. more stories. You've really been dominating this conversation. I, sorry, also, sorry. Have we been recording for four hours? Yes. Okay. That's why I'm like, all right, here's one. <laughs> so then Alaska lawmaker. <laughs> so my jaunt into the Oscars was not welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all good. Uh-huh. Representative Don Young, a guy from Alaska, he apparently made a comment oh God. this week Alaska. that they were talking about guns at a meeting, and he's defending guns. He's all for you guns. You don't fucking say Alaska? I know. I know. And here's the quote. I'm going to read it to you out loud. Mm-hmm. How many millions of people were shot and killed because they were unarmed? 50 million in Russia? How many, Ju- How many Jews were put in the ovens because they <gasps> were unarmed? Oh, my God. So the implication here, if the Jews in the Holocaust had, I guess, AR-15s, we wouldn't oh, have had the Holocaust. Um, I also saw somebody who said something similar regarding, like, oh, I just visited Anne Frank's, like, her, I don't know what they could, the, the place she and her family lived for yes. years, and was like, this could have been a really good sniper's nest. And so oh it's like, God. that was your takeaway from me. Do you, first of all, if they had what guns, do you realize people? that Germany had bigger weapons? Yeah, like, it was Germany. They were like, they literally called it a war machine. Like <laughs> that wasn't, they didn't mince yeah. terms with that. He's not even the first Republican to say that comment. Cause you know who said it a couple years ago? Presidential candidate Ben Carson said like the ben likelihood Carson, of Hitler being able to accomplish his goals oh, would have been greatly diminished if Jews were armed. Yeah, Ben Carson, go eat dinner at your $31,000 table in your <laughs> fucking office. Yeah. Um, this, and you know, okay, I was just about to go over, one more thing. a rant about Ben Carson. Nah, I think that would sideline things. Here's the beautiful part of this whole crazy story. Mm-hmm. The reason he made these comments mm-hmm. is because he was asked about it mm-hmm. at this town hall sort of gathering. By the worst person. No. Oh, no. By the guy who wants his seat. <gasps> like the Democrat running for his seat. <laughs> Basically said, like... That man's a genius. He's doing, like, the three-dimensional chess sort of thing. Yeah. I think he just asked, like, a layup. Like, what are you going to do about guns? 
And he ended up getting this like crazy soundbite that What's he, this guy's name who's um, running for the seat? He's, the guy running for his seat is Dimitri Sheen. Dimitri Sheen 2028, my friend. I will support yeah, right? your campaign. Um I mean, he just got a campaign ad out of that one. Yeah. But like, well played person who You're probably right. didn't know totally what he was saying. Three dimensional chess. Yeah. Oh, he teed that up. <laughs> um, let me blaze through a couple yes. of these because they're not that big. Um, this I thought was going to be more meat on the bones, but um, there is a really interesting article in the New York Times called "A Quiet Exodus: Why Black Worshippers Are Leaving the Evangelical Churches." Um, I read the whole thing, hoping to talk about it here. It's not necessarily like an easy thing to break down for our purposes. It's a lot more just individual stories. Um, but it's worth noting that um, churches over the last decades, churches have become less segregated um, as mostly because black worshipers have chosen to go into uh, majority white churches in 2012. Um, the national Con- uh, congregation study found that, more than two-thirds of those attending white-majority churches were worshiping alongside at least some black congregants, which is actually pretty good, and apparently a huge um, a huge increase from 1998. That said, uh, they followed, you know, a handful of people who have been attending um, uh, majority white, black, black worshipers who are attending majority white churches um, in Texas, I think, and... Since 2016, they have felt less and less comfortable in these in these sort of environments. They feel like not only are they the the base of their argument is that they're kind of getting overlooked and overlooked, and they don't get the same kind of uh, enthusiasm behind issues that maybe mostly black people care about, like getting shot in the street by a cop for no specific reason. Like the, the church can't seem to And if you ever go to a black church, they do focus on those social issues Mm -hmm. far more than like, let's talk about this Bible verse here or there. No, it's all about how this applies to your life. Yeah. And and, stuff like that. And specifically a couple of people said they would bring up police violence, Trayvon Martin case specifically, that's not police violence, but the, the Trayvon Martin case specifically. And they were sort of brushed off as like, you're being divisive. You're, you're bringing that sort of. And what's weird to me is so many of these white evangelical, mostly white evangelical megachurches and stuff, they are very open about the fact that they want to reach, like, more yes. people, oh, obviously. Extre- like, all of their... And um, what are they doing? We'll be anti-gay. Well, that turns off a lot of young evangelicals, mm-hmm. too. So a lot of the younger people are leaving because it's... Yeah. I hope it's embarrassing to be a white evangelical. Yes. It should be. They're now, what this article is saying is they're basically turning off a lot of black people because so many of these churches, if they're not like outright saying we support Donald Trump, certainly a lot of the members of these churches support Donald Trump. And what does Donald Trump represent? Again, it's racism, racism. it's bigotry. And again, what what is what message are you sending to those minorities in your congregation um, when that's going on? So no wonder they're leaving. That doesn't surprise me one bit. No, not at all. Um, so I thought that was dumb from a strategic point of view, not just an ethical, moral, like, why are you doing this? I I honestly think it comes down to white fragility. I think white people are so afraid to be questioned about like, Hey, maybe the problem is white culture and how we view black people. And to them to, I think to a lot of these white people, it's, well, what you're doing is calling me personally bad or something mm-hmm. like that. I think that I think that's a huge part of it. Um, people just get their hackles up really quickly because if you've never been oppressed in any systemic way, as soon as somebody implies that 
you know, your people, quote unquote, are doing anything bad as a collective, like, it's just very scary immediately. Uh, so that's one thing. Um, <laughs> I'm actually going to say this to the end. Um, there was a really interesting article about um, Sinclair Broad. This isn't. This is pretty tangentially related to what we do. But have you heard of Sinclair Broadcast? Group? Yeah, they're taking over all the local news. Yeah, so um, it's like Fox News, but like Foxier. <laughs> Um, so they, uh, so Sinclair, Sinclair Broadcast Group, um, it's on the cusp of owning enough local television stations to reach 70% of American households. So this is like when you and I like turn on WGN News at night. It could be a, Sin- a Sinclair jam. Um, so they recently set out, sent out a message that they wanted to play during news time, not commercial time. So this took away from... But so essentially we're proud of the quality... This is a quote, uh, I'm or we are, depending on who's reading it. I'm a solo broadcaster in this mm. jaunt. Uh, I'm extremely proud of the quality balanced journalism that Friendly Atheist Podcast produces, but I'm concerned by the trouble, troubling trend of irresponsible one-sided news stories plaguing our country. The sharing of biased false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming national media outlets are publishing these same fake stories without checking facts first. Unfortunately, some members of the national media are using their platforms to push their own personal bias and agenda to control, quote, exactly what people think, which is a weird thing to quote in. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. So on its face, it's not great, but it's not like draconian quite yet. Um, I will say like the sort of slandering of national media is a fucking slippery, scary right. slope. Because they're basically trashing CNN, and yes. MSNBC, all those like things. Like national news is definitely yeah. code for CNN, right? right. Um, but here's the, th- here's the place where it kind of gets scary and definitely very um, uh, conspiracy theory-ish. So um, Sinclair, this company, made a deal with Jared Kushner that the Trump campaign would provide Sinclair's local news stations with intimate access to Trump, this is during the election, um, in exchange for, quote, fair coverage of the GOP nominee. So read between the lines there for a sec. Um, Also, news stories and features favorable to Trump or that challenge Clinton in the 2016 elections were distributed to Sinclair stations on a must-run basis. Right, and this is the big problem with them, that they're Mm -hmm. telling their anchors on their TV stations, you have to say this thing. You have to run... um, I remember reading this this week. uh, One of Trump's people on his campaign was this guy, Boris Epstein, and he's now working for Sinclair, and he produces these, like, one-minute opinion clips... That also, these local news channels owned by Sinclair have to run. Mm -hmm. And Media Matters for America, a progressive group, they basically said, you know, we they post all of these videos on YouTube. And they were watching the YouTube channel to see, like, who's watching these clips? And the weird thing is nobody is watching these clips on YouTube. This guy is so uninteresting to listen to. (laughs) And the message is stupid. Yeah. But, like... They're getting no audience for this on YouTube. So the fact that they're forcing it onto potentially 70% of Americans, Mm -hmm. this propaganda, is absurd. I think local news, I was reading a little bit about, like, local news has a pretty good reputation. You know, maybe it's falling by the wayside in a lot of ways. I don't watch it. I mean, I don't watch it, but if WGN is on, I tend to see WGN as, like, 
the most nonpartisan type. Yeah, they're I, just I keep giving you local stories. That's like our local, local, right. local network. It feels very nonpartisan. It doesn't feel like I watch MSNBC. I know I'm going to be getting right. like a liberal slant and. I know that right. The local news is bland on purpose. And if they're injecting this conservative propaganda into it, how many old people watching these things aren't going to realize they're being like they're being brainwashed as they watch it? uh, They have an example of a, quote, must run email that um, that stations got in September 13th, 2016 Um, description. Why did Hillary why did Hillary Clinton struggle with disclosing her medical diagnosis? She's been repeatedly faced with um, previous questions of trust. Can a president lead with so many questions of transparency and trust? There was no equivalent of must. That's the end quote. There's no equivalent of such must run, run stories examining Trump's refusal to release his medical or tax records or about questions surrounding his charitable foundation. Yeah, it's so, just propaganda. Oh, it's, it's And if you're working for them, there's something wrong with you, too. Yeah. I'll say that. Yeah, sure. I mean, and it's, I can't imagine it feels How good. desperate are you to have a job that you're going to work That's for people exactly who are right. like, not actually doing journalism? Journalism is such an important part of our society. And I, I, I've said this before. I hope if nothing else comes with this Trump presidency, it is that we need journalism now more than ever. It's maybe newsprint is dying, but journalism is always going to be extraordinarily important to, to the American people. I want to close on this. Um, (laughs) Steve Bannon, he's afraid of women. Um, (laughs) He warns that, okay. So Steve Bannon, right after Oprah made her speech at the Golden Globes, which is extraordinarily impassioned, really well received and people were like oh should we overrun for president which like probably isn't the best idea but like it was a good speech um so apparently uh, according to joshua green uh who's a journalist he said that bannon excuse me bannon thought that oprah might represent an existential threat to trump's presidency if she decided to campaign for democrats in 2018 not run for president but just campaign for (laughs) democrats and here's a direct quote from our friend steve bannon I'm so excited to read this on air. The anti-patriarchy movement is going to undo 10,000 years of recorded history. You watch. The time has come. Women are going to take charge of society. They couldn't juxtapose a better villain than Trump. He is the patriarch. The 2020 election, he was said, this is a quote from, um, from Green. The 2020 election, he was suddenly sure, wouldn't be merely Democrats versus Republicans, but the patriarchy versus the matriarchy. And right now, Oprah was winning. So, <laughs> Steve Bannon is scared of me personally is my takeaway nice. from that. Man. A lot. We need Oprah to, I guess, run for... Or, I'm sorry, not run for office. because But just the, throw her weight behind throw, yes. anybody. Um, yep. So, do you have anything else or can I do listener <laughs> no, mail? No, we're good. Listener, listener mail. mail. Okay. Listener mail. This is from Ethan. Thanks, Ethan, for writing in. You, If you um, have a question or want advice from us for some reason... Um, you can email us at friendlyatheistpodcast at gmail.com. We're going to try to do these weekly. Dear Hammond and Jessica, watch that order, guys. I'm more important. I'm a recent atheist, mm-hmm. but my wife is Christian. She knows about my deconversion, and we've worked through our differences, but I still attend church with her. I really dislike going to church and pretending that I'm something I'm not, but I also have, quote, friends at church, and I'm scared they'll all treat me differently or try to convert me if I come out. I know Hammond has talked about just pretending... Just pretending if you lose things like friends, but honestly, I need to stop pretending for my own sanity. I live in rural Maine where there are few atheists, and I'm also concerned about my wife and my wife and I having no couple friends if I come out. 
what would you suggest in this situation? I'm at an internal conflict between my mental health, my social standing. So your uh, help would be appreciated. P.S. Damn it, Star Wars is overrated. Jessica, every time you say fuck, it makes my day a little brighter. Cheers from Maine. Um, Ethan Fauché. It's a tough question because... Super tough. Again, he's saying his... What I couldn't get is, does his wife know he's an atheist? Yeah, so he definitely... She knows about my deconversion, and we worked through our differences. So it seems like he's on good ground with his wife. So again... Which is a great first step. Look, there are plenty of churches that welcome people who are doubting, even if you're not, like, an atheist, per Mm -hmm. se. But, like, there's you could always tell people, like, oh, I have my doubts about this stuff. And I don't think they would change anything. Wait, Because, in theory, we have doubts about this stuff. But are you saying he should continue to go to church or not? If he wants to keep his social circle and he wants his church friends, that's the language he could use to keep them. If he just doesn't want to go to church, look, there are other ways to meet people, even when you're older, even when you're married and stuff like that. I have a friend who lives in Maine. I'll give you his number. Yeah, like go to a meetup group. Go find people uh, in a different venue just because that's the only social safety net you know of doesn't mean it's the only one that exists. So yeah. it's, look, it's, if your wife is on board with it too, find other ways to meet other people mm-hmm. b- before you just say no to the church the group internet people. Is a beautiful thing. And you know what? If they're going to say, oh, you have thoughts about this stuff, you doubt this stuff, we can't be your friends anymore. I mean, this sounds like something you say to a grade school, something like maybe that person's not really your friend. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually want to revisit this, this sentence. Um, I really dislike going to church and pretending that I'm something I am not. You can, you do have the option, and I don't, I couldn't really glean whether or not you dislike church on its face or you don't like sort of the, you having to pretend you're someone you're not part of church. I think that there is a compromise there. If you're okay going to church, then you can go to church as a non-believer. I have, like, I have friends of mine who... One of them is, I think she describes herself as agnostic, but her wife is a Christian and she goes to church with her because it's something that's meaningful to right. her. There, just because you enter a church doesn't mean you fully subscribe to everything. But here's the one that kills me because you use scare quotes, but I also have, quote, friends at church and I'm scared they'll all <laughs> treat me differently or try to convert me if I come out. Here's what I think. I think life is too short to have scare quote friends. <laughs> Sure. Um, yeah, yes. I'm sure it's much harder to find people who are like-minded in rural Maine. Um, but you don't need to find people who are like-minded. You need to find people who accept you for you and who you wouldn't put quotes around as your friends. Although, I mean, I think you'd call me a quote friend. Congratulations. <laughs> I think that's a step up. Yes. Um, I guess it's better than friend with like an asterisk afterward. <laughs> friend shrug emoji. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I would, I guess I would say, like, kind of follow, if you feel like you're betraying your own sort of heart and morals by going to church, don't go to church. If you feel like you can still go to church, but not necessarily, don't stand and sit and shake the hands and mm-hmm. do all the things. I don't know what they do I've done church. it many times. Oh my God. It's been a while, but like, Both no sides one... of my family are Catholic. I've done a lot of standing and sitting and kneeling. And you don't stand out nearly as much as you think you do by not doing that stuff. No, no, not at all. Um, but I guess really what I want to is say, is anybody from Maine? Do they want to be <laughs> Ethan's like non-square quote <laughs> friends? Um, 
Anyway, Ethan, thank you. I don't, I don't, was that helpful? Yes. I hope. Ethan, let us know. <laughs> Thanks, Evan. I was helpful. I think my advice was helpful. I don't know. <laughs> Ethan, um, let us know. Yeah, Ethan, thank you so much for running in. Thank you for listening. Um, again, if you have a question or a concern, and not just complaining about me or Hemet, because we hear that a lot, um, <laughs> uh, friendly at these podcast at gmail.com. Hemet. Uh, find me at Hemet Meta on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You could, uh, if you like what you're listening to. Patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist yes. Podcast. Oh my God, we're so close to watching Star Wars. We I couldn't are. believe it. We went from like 70% to like 96%. We did. What happened? I don't know. I, I don't guess either. people are listening. Look at that. Yeah. Uh, I did release uh, the first episode of Jessica's yes. side thing, Fables. Okay. That should be in your feed. If you're getting this, then you probably heard it too. <laughs> um, I don't know when the next one's going to be. It'll be soon. Yeah, but, uh, we're going to try to do monthly. After after today, or after that first episode, they'll only go on a private feed to, like, Patreon subscribers. Yeah, and how does that work? Is it in their iTunes feed, or do they just, like, get an email to the... They'll get an email link okay. to the podcast. Um, I didn't ask you your happy thing this week. Um, The weather's getting nice. I'll go outside this weekend. Uh, normally, I'd call your shit on that. I know. But the weather is getting super nice. It's been so cold. Uh, my happy thing is definitely... I, listen, I text Leslie... So, this... This fables thing that I'm doing is essentially kind of a book club with me and somebody who I love and respect. So my first one was my best friend from college. Her name is Leslie. If you skipped it, that's fine. It was two hours long. Um, but I re-listened to it like fully expecting to be like, this is going to be the most obnoxious thing ever. And <laughs> the first like 15 minutes I text Leslie with like tears in my eyes because I was like, oh, this is like the most perfect example of our friendship that's ever <laughs> existed. It may, I listened to the whole thing and I barely cringed at all, which I do a lot to myself. And I called Leslie afterwards and like, we cried just talking about how glad we were that we had this like time capsule of our friendship. <laughs> and I, it put me in such a great mood because I had a lot of fun and it went off the rails a little bit. We definitely started at 1 a.m. So oh like God. take that. You definitely nice. didn't listen to it, did you? I know. I don't <laughs> listen to anything we do. That's true. I if was you here. Do, if, you, <laughs> if you do podcasts without me, I'm like, no, I'm not <laughs> Anyway, um, you know, if you skipped it and want to listen to me like being my happiest self and talking to my bestie <laughs> definitely go back if not that's okay too and hey if you like you listen to it didn't like it keep it to yourself dude like i don't <laughs> care you can you could delete any episode you want yeah you never have to listen to my dumb voice um you can find me at blueberry <laughs> b-l-u-e-b-u-r-i-e on twitter um is that etsy it? shop oh my etsy thank you i know i had another thing my etsy shop is bitches get stitched done um, I just got an order today from a listener, but I don't remember their name, so I'm not going to say it. Um, Thanks, listener. Yeah, thank you, um, listener. We will be back next week. Yes. Oh, and I do custom work, and I'm in need of a new project. So Make if it you happen, have, like, people. a weird, dumb idea, that's, like, my specialty. <laughs> All right, thank you, guys. See you next week. Bye.